So, this is the self-development with tactics. Book. So, this episode's gonna be about um, wealth once again, and money and business and all these great things. Um, if you find them great, you know, if you don't find them great, it's gonna be not the best episode for you, but I assume it could be interesting, you know, not only because I talk about this exact thing or this exact article, but I'm also going to talk about different things and, and other things about this article. But yeah, see you after the intro. After the motherfucking intro. The intro that is fucking loud. I do hope that the audio quality is fine, just because I have... I do not have a carpet in my room, and apparently there is just so much echo here. It is just amazing. I do just still have my blankets here all over the place, but I don't know. Like, I do just really hear that there is a lot of echo, but you know what? You know, quality doesn't matter that much. You know, as long as I'm fucking energetic here, as long as I'm enjoying what I'm doing, I think it's fine. And this episode might be edited as well, just because, yeah, you know, just because I do want to see what I can do with my creativity and what I can just get out of this episode with some editing things and with some, with some editing, you know, even though podcasts in general aren't that edited and I do not even know if the audio, if if the audio is actually going to be edited, maybe I'm going to just cut out parts that are just like, you know, so like silent. <laughs> like really, you know, sometimes I'm thinking about things and it is just like, okay, I'm listening to someone that is thinking and not saying anything and it is not the best thing. But yeah, I hope I'm also bright enough, but I think I, wow, <laughs> I'm just having a glass of water or I had a glass of water on my table and I was like, where the fuck is the fucking glass of water? And I was always just looking looking out for it to just not, you know, throw it off the table or something, or just spit it, spill it. Yeah, you know, because then everything would be fucked on my fucking table. Would not be nice, you know, would be just pretty severe. But yeah, as I said, we are going through an article today, and this article is from the Inc.com website once again. Um, why from the Inc.com website? Um, I believe that it actually is quite a good website and I also just trust in it, which is also, which is actually also um, a pretty important factor for me. Like, I do not want to go through something that I do not kind of trust in. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's like I do not want to spread things that I kind of feel like it is not true or kind of feel like, you know, what they're talking about there is is not really the case or something. So just like, yeah, you know, I think you understand what I mean. I really think so. So yeah, as you can now see for the YouTube viewers um, on the screen, we're going through this founder turned a unique acquisition into a 10 million business in just three years without venture capital. He needed capital for some big plans, but didn't want to seat or set or seed or seeded or seed control. I don't fucking know what it is pronounced. That required a different kind of investor. Apparently, I guess it is about this guy, but I don't know. So virtual founder Ron Mitchell. Illustration by Gabriella Pesquera. 
the fuck is this a illustration? You know, it is not an illustration. It is just a fucking photo with some. Yeah, okay, it's an illustration in the background, but nah, I don't really think that he himself is an illustration. You know, the thing is, something that I've gotten actually recently also was talking about is like, there is no need, you know, for drawing or illustrating people like, like real life, you know, real life picturing or real life drawing or ultra realistic drawing as you might, uh, as you might find it on YouTube or, you know, Instagram or whatever. We don't need this stuff, actually. So we... Well, it is cool if you're able to do so, and I've always liked it when I'm just drawing something It's cool. I always just went for the realistic shit, you know. I've I've never ever... Well, I have. You know, once I did something in cubism, which basically is like, okay, you have a picture and everything is out of cubes, um, which means, like, not really triangles and not really uh, just rectangles and whatsoever, but all sorts of angles. <laughs> and the thing is, I do just... I think I prefer the realistic kind, even though comic style is also pretty pretty nice, I have to say. But yeah, another thing is, we don't actually need to have some realistic drawers and or painters. I think 100 or 200 years ago, it was something different. Well, 300 years ago. Because we had no fucking photo cameras. Yeah, we had no cameras and therefore... Yeah, we needed painters and we needed drawers because there was no fucking camera. But now we have cameras and cameras absolutely just capture the reality way better than any drawer and also way faster than any painter could do. Well, maybe it is actually the exact same level, you know? Just some really big and really famous painters like, I don't know, Leonardo da Vinci might be able to just, yeah, really capture a certain frame or a certain scenario as realistic as a photo apparat and or a photo camera would actually do. I don't know. But let's actually see. <laughs> let's actually not talk about photo apparats and or photo cameras. I don't even know if photo apparat is actually an English word. I don't think so. I really don't think so. The thing is, let's actually go ahead with the article because we're not here to talk about cameras, apparently. So recruiting software company Virtual was just three years old when founder Ron Mitchell went looking for an acquisition that would allow the business to scale faster. But like many young firms, the Chicago or Chicago-based Virtual, which matches workers with employers, employers through testing, lacked capital. He did not lack experience though, which has plenty of value in itself. We are not, we are not your 23-year-old CEOs. The 49-year-old says, it is great to invest in a dream, but you have to look at fundamentals. You really have to. Like, I guess especially especially in the whole business world and the entrep entrepreneurial world, I guess it is pretty important to, um, to kind of make sure that uh, somehow... I, well, the CEO of a company that you're going to invest in is just somehow capable of doing something, <laughs> even though it sounds actually a little mean, to be honest, but, but I don't even know if there are some CEOs that are really not capable of doing things. I believe that it is rather the case in small business, in a small business world, actually, and not really like in international fucking corporations. I assume like they have stepped up their game and, you know, all of their CEOs are actually capable of doing what they should be, what they should actually be capable of doing. 
But I guess, you know, with small businesses, it's still something different. You know, it's still often like, you know, family member shit and family and family business shit, which means like, yeah, you know, they do not necessarily have to be good at what they're doing. They for sure do just have experience, you know, sometimes, you know, I do not really want to generalize the whole shit because in general, I hate generalizations. <laughs> Yeah, it is actually the thing. I hate generalizations. It's like such a dumb thing. It is so fucking stupid. Like, it really is. But the thing is, well, investing into a firm and or investing into a company where you completely know that the CEO is not capable of doing his job or doing his or her job, I'm sorry, doing her job, well, I don't know if it's the best idea. You know, I guess it is actually not. I assume so. You know, just because like, well, yeah, you know, the CEO basically is leading the whole firm or he should and or she should be leading um, the whole firm. And if he or she is not capable of doing that, well, I don't know if this sounds good for the company. I guess actually not. But yeah, let's actually move ahead. You know, I, by the way, hope that that the screen there isn't too big because I had to, you know, always when I'm playing chess, or having the chess self-development thing, I do just always have to kind of um, configure configure the screens a little bit differently. So I do just have to make them, I guess, a little bit bigger. But as such, it looks it looks quite good at the time. You know, it looks yeah, it really looks good. You know, no, I think I'm not gonna change up anything, anything. You know, anything. Um. Yeah. So his fundamental. His fundamentals said no to venture capital. Too much focus on hypergrowth and not enough emphasizes on cash flow. Um, by the way, um, Seth Godin did a really, 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 really great episode on his podcast Akimbo. It is A K I M B O on cash flow. You know, because before I didn't really know what cash flow is. I still don't know what cash flow is because I forget a lot of things that are not really necessary for me. But he did a really, really, really great episode on that so if you're interested in what cash flow is and getting a little bit of an example or something then check out akimbo it is just a great podcast you know as i've been talking about it before it really is a great podcast you know it is amazing amazing yeah so mitchell had been down that road before as had been down that road before as both an investor in the late 1990s and a serial entrepreneur in the career development industry since 2002 and his acquisition target a hospitality talent recruiting company called H Careers was being invested by a public company called DHI Group he would have to orchestrate a complex carve out knowing he would need help Mitchell Mitchell brought in a friend Duck Tut uh, or I, I hope it is called Duck or pronounced Duck. It is D-O-U-G and Tut, T-U-T-T, -T, as a partner. Tut had been COO of Caprock Communications, communicas communications, fuck hell, um, which had done a, done a deal with Houston-based PE firm Genesis Park in 2010. And as Mitchell says, there is nothing better than knowing them personally. Plus, Genesis Park had a track record with carve-outs. In May 2018, Genesis Park took a minority stake in a new company called Virtual Holdings, which owned both Virtual and the newly acquired H Carriers. 
age careers, not careers, but careers. As a part of the 7.5 million deal, Mitchell and Tut, now Virtual's COO, retained control over a company with over 10 million in sales. Which is quite good, I guess. You know, I do not really know. Like, I do just read, or I have been reading quite a lot of things about, like, you know, companies and uh, business and, uh, well, all those things. But still, you know, it is not some of the things that I'm really knowledgeable in. Like, I think it, it is just because I am not in the space. Like, I do not have a business yet. I do not have my company or a company yet. Maybe there is going to be the case. I don't fucking know. Um, I am not an investor in anything. I don't invest. I basically do nothing with my money but buying myself food. And that's on a really fucking budget. <laughs> it really sounds like, you know, I'm just spending, I don't know how much money on fucking food, but I really don't. Like, I'm really spending not a lot of money on, on, on things in general. I really hate spending money, you know, um, which I think is one of the flaws that I'm having. You know, I really hate spending money. It is just insane. I absolutely fucking hate it. It is so insane. It really is. It fucking is insane. But yeah. But yeah, this is what it is. And we, we, me with my smoking or smoker voice, that's good. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> so that is not often characteristic. Um, characteristic of private equity investors, Mitchell explains, and there was a healthy back and forth around that. In a sense, Mitchell got... Mitchell got lucky. Peter Shaper, Genesis Park's founding partner, is comfortable with not having voting control. He bets on owners. We know that the guys running the business day-to-day, -day, leading the team, feeling the culture, and being in front of the customer are going to make better decisions than I can. And I apparently think that this is actually a very, 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 very good strategy and pretty good mindset because I think it is actually the case. Like, well, you know, Unless you're actually also a business owner and you've been in the exact same space with the exact same customers and the exact same employees or whatsoever, even though it might not be that possible for years as well. Um, I do not think it is the case. I do not think it is possible. But theoretically, potentially, there is, uh, well, there is a chance, you know, that it actually could be the case. Therefore, yeah, you know, I do also believe in that. Like, you know, unless... Also, unless, you know, the CEO is just so fucking incapable of doing anything, I would also bet on the owner, you know, up to this point, or the person who was the owner up to this point. He says, noting that 10 to 20% of the, of his deals involve minority stakes. Still, Shaper helped build Virtual Holdings' strategic timeline, a short-term plan, a medium-term plan, and a long-term plan. The first challenge was to turn H careers which had previously relied on DHI groups, centralized HR, legal accounting and IT services into a self-reliant company. Next up is inter integrating virtual technology into age careers. Into age careers, yeah. I'm good at reading, thanks. A process shaper concedes um, is taking longer than expected. That could delay the long-term goal of market dominance, which depends on how age careers established 2,500 fucking customers and clients. That's amazing. That really is amazing. Um, including major hotel brands like 
Mario. We have been talking about... I, I don't even know what, what it is pronounced, but we have been talking about Mario in the last episode. That is something like called, like, okay, the three billion dollar... What was it? Three million? I kind of assume it was three billion, but I'm not quite sure. The three billion dollar hotel and resort, resort firm and or company, something like this, you know. It's been also an article on the Inc.com website and it was all about actually a success story, you know, a pretty amazing success story all about, you know, a man working in hotels and, and resorts for quite a long time and then starting his own thing and actually getting pretty successful with it. An amazing story. From rags to riches, well, yeah, I assume, I don't know, but somehow from rags to riches or somewhat rags to riches. But yeah, so like Marriott or Marriott, I assume that it's actually French, I don't know why, Hyatt or Hyatt and Hilton um, react to a new platform. If it, if it lands well, Genesis Park plans to invest more to help virtual holdings scale. If it doesn't, Shaper says he will invest in whatever course correction is necessary. He has no timeline for an exit. And that capital is obviously important, but Mitchell says he values Genesis Park's console as much as he does its financial resources. Recently, he has been taking advantage of the firm's marketing team to work through the complexity of combining two businesses and recrafting them. And I think it is definitely also just pretty, well, you know, pretty kind of uh, tough to, to connect two firms also because of the people that are working for you, like your employees. I think it really is like, you know, if you have employees from from one firm that have been led by just a different company just for years or something, and then you have your company, and then now let's work together. Yeah, not gonna fucking work, <laughs> I guess. You know, I, I'm just guessing, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it as like on a human kind of scale or base or um, with humans in mind. I, well, I don't know. I kind of believe that it won't be that easy. It really won't be. But yeah, you know, but yeah. So we probably speak to Genesis Park every week, Mitchell says, not because we have to, but because we want to. And this is amazing, you know, to just have some partners and have people around that um, that you actually like and they actually also want to talk to and want to just um, do business with and whatsoever. I think it's great, you know, I really believe it's great. But what I'm seeing there as well is actually that I do not want to have it as big as it is. Just because, just because I do not, I don't know what it is, was like, what it, sorry, what it was like um, in the other episodes or the other episode on the Inktacom website if um, if the text was also so close to the edge of the screen there, which I actually do not like, even though as I'm reading there, it is not quite bothering me. But um, normally it really is bothering me. Like, it really is, you know, from a design perspective. And this really is kind of <laughs> the drawback of being a, a graphic designer and just somehow, you know, having to do something with graphic design every single day. It is actually the downside of it. Like, you know, you see things, you know, also typography mistakes and whatsoever, you know, some things that you can actually see very, 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 very often is people crossing um, 
let me show you. Let me show you. Um, I don't know what it is called actually, but the G has somehow a curve and or just so, such a swoosh or whatever you want to call it on the bottom of it. Um, by underlining text and by underlining type, it often is the case that you strike through it. And this is not good, you know, you should not be doing this because it really is not the best thing for the readability. Like, you don't have just some letters that are a half G and a half A somehow just because you're striking through it and it could just be like an A. Like, it really is just not good for the readability and if you're just, for example, also having a book or something, just don't fucking do that, you know? That's the advice. <laughs> don't fucking do that. And also, like, um, having everything justified, you know, also not that good, just because, like, can I assume? Thanks. Um, just, I do just see... What the fuck did I do now? What the fucking hell? Oh, nothing. <laughs> I didn't do anything. I guess, at least. The thing is, um, having justified text, especially in very, very, very tight spaces, well, actually very broad spaces, I'm sorry, very broad spaces, is not really the best thing you can do, just because there's going to be a lot of rivers there. And they're actually called rivers. Um, in German, they're actually also called um, actually rivers. Well, not really, but, you know, let's actually look that up. Text. Text rivers. Um, yeah, in typography, rivers or rivers, uh, rivers of white, okay, rivers of white, they seem to be called in uh, English, are gaps in typesetting which appear to run through a paragraph of text due to a con coincidental alignment of spaces. Yeah, and um, there is quite a good example. You can definitely see the white space there. The, you can see a line, you know, and there should not be a line. And if you're just using a lot of justified text, chances of having it are pretty, pretty, pretty fucking high. The best thing to have is just light, uh, left or right aligned text. The thing is, right aligned text, is it actually called right aligned? I don't know the justified, you know, or left sided text or whatever. You know, we normally have texts that are aligned on the left side. And uh, we really, really rarely have text aligned on the right side. As, you know, a design thing and a design kind of um, element, it is totally fine, you know, to use right aligned text. The thing is, like, yeah, you know, normally we do not read in, in such a way because um, it is pretty difficult then to find the next line just because you have everything aligned on the right-hand right side and um, the text gonna look like this, you know, you're gonna look, you're gonna have just a really, I'm gonna show you, you know, before I just talk about some shit there, I'm gonna show you, like, you can see there, um, the line is not always in the exact same place, you know, different than on this side, you know, on the left side, um, it just makes it more difficult to find the lines and it is not really as well that good for the readability. But yeah, I think that's going to be it with the episode. I wish you the best health, wealth, happiness and also success. And I also hope that you're going to remind yourself on how you're going to be remembered. So basically your legacy. I see you the next time.